Happy Monday afternoon, Saskatchewan. This is the Green Zone. I'm your host, Jamie Nye. Uh, Drew Remendez off today. He's got. He's a little busy. Uh, if you crank on TSN a little bit later on, you'll know why. The suited assassin, Drew Remenda, is on the American Hockey League All-Star uh, broadcast uh, and uh, did some of that skills competition uh, yesterday. He'll be with us tomorrow as the NHL uh, gets back at it. The big game of the week is tomorrow. The Edmonton Oilers are trying to win their 17th straight game. That would tie the Pittsburgh Penguins' record of 17 straight wins. And then if they do that, they take on the Anaheim Ducks to try to break the record. Over the weekend, it was the NHL All-Star Game. Thursday was the PWHL 3-on-3 Showcase and the Player Draft. Friday, the Skills Competition. A little bit later on when we drop the gloves, I want you to weigh in on thumbs up or thumbs down to the new Skills Competition and the way they did it. I am two thumbs up on the way that went down on on Friday night. Of course, I was a little busy with the uh, tankard and the sports dinner. So I was actually re-watching the All-Star skills competition, like 11.30 or whatever it was after the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner. I probably stayed up a little bit too late watching it all back because I was enthralled by what was going on. Connor McDavid? Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, it was a great show, aside from Nikita Kucherov, but they booed him, deservedly so. And here's the thing with Nikita Kucherov, dude, if you don't want to do it, say so, so they can find a replacement who actually will go out there and look like they care. Some of those obstacle courses, you could, everybody, you could tell, was giving it their all, and then Kucherov went out there and he looked like he was out for a free skate at the Al Ritchie on a Wednesday with everybody else just out for just a little little skate. That's all he was doing. But what did you think of the new skills competition? The three-on-three tournament I couldn't care much about. Whatever. Three-on-three hockey until right, right near the end, and then all of a sudden they care to win, go to a shootout. But it was Team Matthews and Justin Bieber and the Toronto team that really came out on top. Got the million-dollar bonus check, as Connor McDavid did the previous night in the skills competition. But there's a lot to get to here on the Green Zone. Calgary Flames reporter Pat Steinberg will be in. How much of the Flames will be sold? Not the team, the players, at the NHL trade deadline. Elias Lindholm goes to the Vancouver Canucks and apparently... More is coming from the Calgary Flames. So Pat Steinberg will update you on the Flames situation over the next month going up to the NHL trade deadline. Also here on the show today, Belton Johnson gets you set to start off the week. It is Super Bowl week. The teams arrived yesterday. You noted there was somebody missing from Taylor Swift's table at the Grammys last night. Yeah, that's because Travis Kelsey was on a plane to Vegas with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got a job to do this week. That is win another Vince Lombardi trophy and another ring with the Kansas City Chiefs. While his girlfriend was winning album of the year. And I might add, I don't know, 
found it a little rude. She didn't even look Celine Dion in the eye to collect her Grammy while she made her way. But okay, yeah, she was distracted by someone talking to her in the back. But Also on the Green Zone today, we'll bring you up to date on CFL negotiating window. And some big news just came in when it comes to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And when I say big, that's both figurative and literal. Yoshi, they call him. Jermarcus Hardrick has agreed to terms with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders starting right tackle for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on that vaunted offensive line. That is a huge win for Jeremy O'Day. You're you're all complaining about it, right? You've been how, where is this former offensive lineman to finally try to improve the offensive line and invest in improving in the offensive line? Well, okay. Jermarcus Hardrick does that. I thought he's been the best offensive lineman on that team. I think he's been better than Stanley Bryant the last two or three seasons. But, of course, Stanley Bryant with the voters always gets a lot of the name recognition, gets a lot of love from across Canada. I understand it. But Jermarcus Hardrick, it's actually his second go-around with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In 2015, remember... You want to remember 2015? There's a few guys that were really good players who sat on the practice roster and watched the first half of that season when they went 0-9 and fired Corey Chamberlain and Brendan Tamman. Naaman Roosevelt was the most talked about player because he was a receiver everybody thought was great, and he sat there and sat there until... Corey Chamberlain's final game when they finally put Naaman Roosevelt in. Do you know what happened the next week? They finally woke up and put Jermarcus Hardrick on the offensive line. He played pretty well, but then he went off to Winnipeg in free agency. Wasn't part of the Chris Jones turnaround plan in 2016. But now he's back in green. That is a big signing. One of the other most talked about players heading into CFL free agency has apparently also made a agreement with the Ottawa Red Blacks. That is linebacker of the Toronto Argonauts. Adarius Pickett will move just down the road to Ottawa as the Red Blacks continue to spend some money. So we'll talk more about CFL free agency. Uh, Britton Gray and I just late last week did another Blitz podcast. You can check it out, our YouTube channel at Green Zone SK. Shared on the Jamie Nye, the Sports Guy Facebook page. It's our new Facebook page. The other one you may have noticed, Meta has some issues with because, goodness sakes, we share Canadian news. Of course, we can blame the guys in Ottawa for that one a little bit as well. Uh, But Jamie Nye, the Sports Guy Facebook page, that's good to go. Uh, Head over there. You can find the Blitz podcast as well and on Twitter, at GreenZoneSK. And we talk about those players the Rough Riders should be chasing or could be chasing in CFL free agency. Some of them are former Toronto Argonauts. Jamal Peters, the defensive end Barlow, he had nine sacks last year. I think underrated defensive end in the Canadian Football League. We talked about it a bit with Justin Dunk on Friday as a preview to the negotiating window. But the term you're going to hear a lot this week is agreed to terms. Because during the negotiating window, nothing is official until next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Saskatchewan time, 
is when these players can actually have their new contracts registered with the league. So you negotiate over the next week until Sunday, and then the team that has the rights of the player has a 48-hour window to say, we will offer you $50,000 more. Do you want to stay here or not? And then, of course, Tuesday it all opens up. But it looks like Jermarcus Hardrick will be coming to Saskatchewan, agreeing to terms on a reported two-year deal uh, with the Rough Riders to lock down the right side of that offensive line. But also today on the Green Zone, it just happened, just wrapped up a moment ago in London, Ontario. The police finally speaking since five players from the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team were charged with sexual assault. Michael McLeod is actually has two charges against him. And a lot of the questions, and a lot of the questions I heard from you whenever I've talked to you about this case is why? Why did this start in 2018? And now it's 2024, almost six years later, that charges are finally laid in this case from an event with Hockey Canada in London, Ontario in June of 2018. And it started June 19th. That morning, a call came into police and they started the investigation into an alleged sexual assault. In February of 2019, they said no charges will be laid, and the case sat there. In 2022, it reopened. But police have said this has been one investigation. It's not two separate investigations. But coming up next, we'll update you on some of the why it has taken this long and likely, and what it sounds like when you read between the lines, the failure of the investigators way back in 2018 and early 2019. Next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with the year in the green zone on this Monday afternoon. Congratulations to Team McEwen, Mike McEwen, Colton Flash, Kevin and Dan Marsh, who will represent Saskatchewan right here at home at the Montana's Briar. That starts March the 1st in Regina. Uh, they beat uh, Ryland Clyder's rink 7-3 yesterday in Saskatoon. And great job by uh, Curl Sask and all those at the Nutana and the Volunteers. Another great event uh, for our Provincial Curling Championships. But it'll be another Manitoba skip, skipping Saskatchewan. We've been here before with Matt Dunstone. Uh, but Mike McEwen, last March it was announced that he was um, making the move to skip Colton Flash's rink with the Marsh boys, and they didn't lose a game the entire week in Saskatoon. And they're one of the top-ranked teams in Canada, and they will represent Saskatchewan at the Briar. March 1st, of course, the Ackerman Rink, representing Saskatchewan at the Scotties. Uh, they start next week. Next Friday is when the Scotties starts uh, in Calgary, and will be re well represented there as uh, Skylar Ackerman continues to rise the rankings in Canada. As one of the younger skips, well, the youngest skip to ever represent Saskatchewan, 22 years old, uh, skipping Saskatchewan at the Scotties. Earlier today, actually, 
about an hour ago, the news conference was still happening with London police as five players charged with sexual assault from the 2018 World Junior Team. And that case was in court this morning. And the next court appearance will be April the 30th. The players weren't there. It was just their lawyers. And it's likely going to continue that way until trial. But the chief of police in London, as well as the detective sergeant, addressed reporters. And one of the big questions, and I've heard it, I've heard this as well. What, does she need more money? Is that why this is coming back? That is not the case. This case started the day after that Hockey Canada event when a police got a call from a relative of the alleged victim and the investigation started, and it had concluded in February of 2019. A couple of months later, no charges laid. And then in 2022, a Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan said today is when the chief of police wanted a review of the case. In July of 2022, our service elected to review the 2018 investigation and asked me to lead the review. Having been assigned to the sexual assault and child abuse section in September of 2020, I had not been involved in the original investigation and had no knowledge of it. Upon review of the occurrence, it was determined that there were additional steps that could be taken to advance the investigation. As a result, the investigation was reopened and a team of investigators were assigned. I would like to make it clear that the victim in this matter has fully participated in this investigation from the time it was initially reported to police until today. When the case was reopened in 2022, our team explored investigative opportunities in addition to the 2018 investigation. Those leads were followed, additional witnesses were spoken to, and we collected more evidence. I can confirm that some of this evidence was not available when the investigation concluded in 2019. So that was Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan on some of the timing on why this came to be. And of course, it was under the spotlight of media uh, Rick Westhead of TSN originally broke the story of this Hockey Canada buyout. When pressed today, did Hockey Canada at all interfere in the investigation way back in 2018-19, not cooperating? That's when the uh, media relations person said, okay, that's enough questions, see you later, bye. There wasn't a lot. They couldn't disclose a lot of the information. Of course they couldn't. It is an ongoing investigation. It's now going to trial. There's going to be disclosure to the d- defense lawyers. They can't say much. But When I heard that part, and that's why I clipped it out, it sounds like the original investigation didn't follow through on a few key steps in investigating a sexual assault. And London police, remember Ian uh, Mendez was on last week with us, who said London police over the years has had a terrible record of investigating sexual assault cases to go to trial, like among the worst in Canada. And Catherine Dan came on board, as she said, in 2020, was part of this now investigation, and now you have five former World Junior Hockey players uh, charged with sexual assault. Next court appearance, April the 30th. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. 
A little later on, I uh, was able to have a conversation with the guest of honor at the Kinsman Sports Celebrity Dinner. You'll hear that coming up. He asked my one-on-one with Jose Bautista and the discussion on the bat flip. And really him becoming a trailblazer for bat flippers everywhere, as it's a lot more acceptable in Major League Baseball. Uh, Some big CFL news regarding the Rough Riders. Our CFL analyst from Three Down Nation, Justin Dunk, reporting that Jermarcus Hardrick, right tackle of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is heading Saskatchewan's way, agreeing to terms on a contract during the CFL's negotiating window. So, you wanted the Riders to improve the offensive line? Uh, That'll help. Although Farhan Lalji is reporting $230,000, the highest paid American tackle in the league for Jamarcus Hardrick. Hey, to improve an offensive line, sometimes it's going to cost you some money, especially if you're stealing from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, But joining us right now to talk a little bit about the Calgary Flames, Mike chat some CFL with Pat Steinberg. He's also one of the CFL.ca contributors, uh, writing every Monday for CFL.ca. Joins us from Sportsnet Radio in Calgary. Pat, how's it going today? It's good, man. The uh, negotiating window, we've got a couple of big moves already. It's been, uh, day one's been good. Yeah, Darius Pickett, uh, the report is, going to the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, moving on from Toronto. So when is the, when are the Stampeders going to start making some noise here, Pat? What's going on? I I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be busy. I, I think. I think Sask and Calgary are the two West Division teams that I think are going to be the most active. Um, you know, and, and from a Calgary perspective, that's not usually how, especially under John Huffnagel, that's that's not how they've gone about their business. Now, uh, with Dave Dickinson at the helm of football operations, now maybe it is a little bit different. But you know, even going back to when GMs and team presidents were all in Nashville for meetings and. and uh, listening to Dave talk and it's like, hey, you know, they, they, they had a bad season last year. Yeah, they made the playoffs. They extended their run to 19 years or whatever it is, but they, they had a bad season. And so they, they know they had a bad season. It's like, well, then we can't always do the same things that we've done. So I'm, I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting them to look around in a few different spots. I, I'm curious if they target anybody at receiver. I'm curious if they do go after a quarterback. I, I think Calgary's going to be a busy team in free agency. And, and you know, I saw, I saw you put that tweet out there. I think it was yesterday. And, and there's no question that after the way the things have gone the last two years in SAS, because you knew the riders were going to be busy. And I, I, I know that's a lot of cash, but that's a, like, that is a, that's a power shift move. Like not, as you mentioned, not only do you improve an offensive line that they targeted and tried to improve, Last year in free agency as well, and kind of got uh, it kind of got all messed up due to injury. But um, now you go out. Not only are you getting one of the best right tackles in the game, but you're also taking him from the number one rival. Like that, that is uh, that's a big time move from the Riders. I uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, Rider fans should be smiling ear to ear on that one with your Marcus Hardrick Yoshi, as they call him, my son's favorite Mario character as well. So he'll approve that uh, signing. Uh, which are Marcus Hardrick, uh, but Pat, real, I'm gonna we're gonna get to the Flames and Elias Handel, but the news from Lanny McDonald, uh, shocking today, a cardiac incident at the Calgary airport on Sunday. Sounds like he's in hospital, being treated well, but a scary moment for one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, when uh, I I saw that, uh, I kind of got a notification that came across my phone earlier on this Monday, Jamie, and, and immediately I saw cardiac. The first two 
the first four words I saw were cardiac incident, Lanny McDonald, and my, my heart dropped immediately because, you know, you fear the worst. And um, then you, you read it. It's okay. It's a note from Lanny. And uh, so you, you start to breathe a little bit easier. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that was, that was some scary news. And, uh, I, I can tell you having, and I think that, I think that people in Western Canada are aware of this. I mean, we're talking about a, a straight up prairie guy and, um, and, and I can't really, there, there are very few people that I can think of in, in, um, Canadian cities that are more kind of, iconically connected with that city than Lanny McDonald is here in Calgary. Like I, I, I would suggest even for people of, of a younger generation, that connection between Lanny McDonald and the Flames, it's just automatic just because of the images of the 1989 Cup and, and obviously the mustache. And then just how the, the, the thing that, that sets Lanny apart from so many other ambassadors is that like this guy is not only like the number one alumni member that this this organization's ever had, but he he doesn't say no. He is at everything. It's a breakfast. It's a charity game. It's a speaking engagement. Like the the guy is an absolute legend here in in Calgary. And like I I don't know very many people that would be at that same level in any city. Like we're, we're talking Jerome Ginla probably doesn't get the same type of recognition in this city that Lanny McDonald does. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that everything is, it seems like it's going to be okay. And that he's under uh, really good care and that uh, they, they avoided something and he avoided uh, something that uh, could have been a whole lot worse. So that was, that was super stunning news this morning. I was obviously not expecting to get that at about 9:30 a.m. Pat Steinberg joining us, Sportsnet 960, the fan radio in Calgary, of course, from Flames Talk, uh, heard every afternoon in Calgary. But, Pat, let's get into it. Elias Lindholm going to the uh, Vancouver Canucks, a monster trade for the Calgary Flames, but they're not done. Uh, How much work will Craig Conroy be doing over the next month ahead of the trade deadline to shake up the roster in Calgary? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a busy next month here. So here we are on Feb 5, so we're just a little less than a month out, a little more than a month out, rather, from the trade deadline. And, and I think he is going to be a, a busy general manager. The Lindholm move was the, the first shoe to drop. And I think that's a really, that's, that's probably the best way to describe it at this point, is that there are, there are three rather large decisions that we know are going to be made between now and the March 8th deadline. And then there's a couple of others that, like, it wouldn't surprise you if they might get made. So you've got, for instance, the the Elias Lindholm one. And, and Lindholm, of all of Calgary's pending unrestricted free agents, they had three of them remaining, uh, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, and Noah Hannafin. Uh, and, you know, basically since Craig Conroy took over as GM in May, he said, hey, if if you are going to be here as a pending UFA, that's great. We'll try to get something done. But if we can't get something done and it gets to the trade deadline, we will trade you. We can't run into a situation like we ran into a couple years prior when Johnny Gaudreau walked away for nothing. And so that has been kind of an organizational mandate, and it's put a hard deadline on March 8th. And of all the UFAs, Lindholm was the one that – seemed most clear was not going to sign the gap between team and player in terms of what a contract would look like just too much to to bridge especially as Lindholm's so-so season by his standards rolled on so 
that that was the one that it just felt like an inevitability. At some point, it was going to happen. And then, Jimmy, they had a, a disastrous six-game homestand. The, their last six games were all played at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They lost four of them. Two of them came in, in really frustrating fashion against St. Louis and Columbus. And, and I think what happened on that homestand, it was an underlining of, hey, this is what we need to do. I think Craig Conroy and his management group had left the door open for, hey, maybe you guys can convince us to go in a different direction. Then they come home with a chance to make a move up the standings in the Western Conference, and they, they really choke it up, and, and it goes the other way, and they, they lose 4-6 on home ice. And, and the, you know, one game they won was against 32nd-ranked Chicago, and they just barely beat them. And the other one, they, they stole from Arizona in a game they probably shouldn't have won. It was a really unimpressive homestand. So that kind of started things. So Lindholm out the door. They got a huge return. I think it sets a blueprint. The, the smart money is probably on Chris Tanev being the next guy out the door. I think there's substantial interest in him around the league. I think you know, you're looking at a top 60 pick and maybe more in terms of what the Flames might get back for Tanev. I'm curious if Chris plays in all four of the games the Flames have on a road trip coming out of the All-Star break that starts uh, Tuesday in Boston. Like, A, does he get traded? B, is there something close enough that they feel like they have to sit him out for precautionary reasons just so that they can make sure there's no injury? I'm curious if we see that on this road trip coming up as well. And then there's Hannafin. Hannafin is the guy that I think they're most intent still on bringing back and signing to a long-term extension. But no one's got to sign the deal. And there's been a deal on the table now since, like, early October or earlier. And and that deal still hasn't been signed. And so that is the third one that needs to get figured out. And probably because there is a desire for him to be dealt, that that's probably the last one that ends up getting determined because you want to wait as long as you can to see if Noah's going to make the decision that the team would like. But don't, then there's Jacob Markstrom, Tan Vladar in net. There's been talk about maybe another player or two that could be entered into trade conversations. So long answer, but yeah, Jamie, I, I, I think it is the first of what is going to be multiple moves, and I think Craig Conroy is going to be one of the busier GMs here between now and March 8th. And, Pat, the other uh, move, of course, locally for here in, in Saskatchewan, uh, Braden Pahal, uh, he yeah. had the uh, Cup in Estevan with the Vegas Golden Knights. They pick him up off waivers from the Vegas Golden Knights. How much does that also signal bringing in a defenseman, a right-hand defenseman, that Chris Tanev is about to move out of town? It's funny, uh, li- you, you uh, literally called 25 seconds after I hit stop with uh, Braden in a, in a pre-taped interview. We're going to play uh, a little bit later on today here on Flames Talk. And, and yeah, I, I think that was the first thing that came to my mind. That was the first thing I think that came to a lot of other minds is, hey, that's a right shot defenseman. Is this a little roster insurance for if, when Chris Tanev moved out? And I, I think that there is something to that. I also think it, it fits in with what the Flames are, are looking to do here. And, and what I mean by that is the Flames are, are going out of their way to get younger and, and to kind of give, not only get younger, but get young players into their roster. Like not just get picks, not just get 18, 19-year-old prospects who might be a few years away. They also want to start putting more 22, 23, 24-year-old players into higher leverage spots and and really see uh, what it looks like with a younger NHL roster. And and Pahal's a big part of that. Uh, 24 years old, you mentioned he's a right shot, which not only are they going to need if when Tanev gets moved, but 
They really don't have a lot of right shot defensemen in the organization aside from the guys that are playing in their top four defense, Tanev, Rasmus Anderson, and Mackenzie Weger. Otherwise, especially when they lost Nick Simone on waivers a couple of weeks ago, they're kind of short on right shots, so it also helps in that regard. I, I think Pahal's going to get in and start playing right away. They had him paired at practice in Boston Monday morning with Oliver Shillington, so would not be a surprise if that's your third pair here for the next four or five games or longer. So I actually quite like the move. Um, you know, There's a lot of people who think there's a little bit more to what Pahal could be at the NHL level than maybe what we've seen in Vegas, where you know it's a deeper team. As a team that is a very veteran group and, and a team that is convinced, uh, is, is, is focused on only winning hockey games, right? And so, you know, it, it was a little bit harder for him to be a regular on that Golden Knights team. But I, I think there's a little more opportunity right now and certainly even more opportunity if when some deals start getting made. So I, I actually quite like that pickup. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what Pahal might be as a member of the Flames and, and if he can kind of solidify a spot that has been in flux essentially since Nikita Zadorov was dealt and that is kind of the, a third pair of defense. Now that Shillington's back, that helps, but the number six spot all year has kind of been a, a rotating door, and I wonder if Pahal can be the guy, especially knowing that he's a natural right shot, if, if he can kind of solidify the right side on that third pair. Well, Pat, we'll leave it there. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the rest of the negotiating window, and maybe you'll see uh, that tall drink of water, Jake Dolagala, suiting up with the Calgary Stampeders and CFL free agency. The uh, quarterback, I think they might be eyeing between now and uh, and next week. Thanks, Jamie. Talk soon, hey? Yeah, absolutely. That is Pat Steinberg of Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary, Flames talk host as well as a contributor at CFL.ca. If you just tuned in, Riders made some made a move today, or at least, sorry, they agreed to terms with your Marcus Hardrick. The big man from Winnipeg is coming to Saskatchewan to lock down the right side of the offensive line with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as the negotiating window opened yesterday in the CFL. Coming up next, this day in sports history, there's a certain fan group that probably doesn't want to reminisce too much today. We'll tell you who they are next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Enbridge Farm remembers. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Here comes Bailey. He's got it. Signed a four a world record for Donovan Bailey in the gold medal. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. On this day in sports history. Well, it was February the 5th. The year 2017. I would like to take this moment to allow fans of the Atlanta Falcons to plug their ears. All you need to know about this day in sports history, the year 2017, the date February the 5th, 28 to 3. Toss the right. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. What a comeback. 
What a comeback indeed. It was this day where the Atlanta Falcons blew it uh, 28 to 3 late in the third quarter. Oh, and by the way, their offensive coordinator who refused to call run plays to try to wind up the clock, Kyle Shanahan, he's kind of important this week because he's the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58.